Welcome to St. James Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. You can learn more about St. James on our website at stjamesp.org. Good morning. So if you were here last week, you'll remember that our gospel passage was really long. And today, maybe you noticed that our gospel was an entire chapter It's kind of cute that they put verses 1 through 41, possibly to fake us out a bit. It's the whole chapter, people. (laughs) While we were standing together for the gospel reading, did any of you have a, this story is good but really long and really repetitive and I can't stay focused and I wonder what's for lunch after church? (laughs) Thought? It's tough, I know. And it's okay. You probably weren't alone. But also, sometimes, getting the whole story instead of just a few verses, well, that's what helps us to see, to get the whole picture. I'll say more on that in just a minute. Here's a note, though, about the whole chapter and verse way of dividing the content of the Bible that I think you might be interested to know. Until the 12th century, the Bible was just a huge pile of scrolls that I'm sure were kept in some kind of good order or maybe one big run-on paragraph. Think about how much easier it is for us now to find Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, rather than search for once you were in darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. So let's give Stephen Langdon, Archbishop of Canterbury in 1227, a quick shout-out for chapter and verses in our New Testament, while acknowledging that, whew, We've had some long readings in the past couple of weeks. But don't be scared to come back next week. Maybe it'll be just a few verses again. Now, that verse that we started with this morning from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, this is what he says. Once you were darkness, but now in the Lord you are light. It might be easy for us to add an extra word or two in there and make it once you were in darkness, But now in the Lord, you are in the light. That's not what Paul said, though. There aren't any prepositions. He's talking about us actually being a part of the dark and a part of the light. Active participants, not merely standing in the area. If that's true, then there's some ownership. There's some accountability there for all of us. We're not associates. We are partners in one or the other. And did you notice that in our natural state, we're darkness? It is with God's help, we are the light. Now hold that thought as I return to John chapter 9, verses 1 through 41. We hear a lot about being blind in the Bible. It was a common condition in ancient times, and the suffering of a blind person was made much worse by the common belief that their condition was due to some kind of sinful behavior. And of course, there were no antibiotics, there were no surgical procedures, and there were certainly no eyeglasses. I wonder, for all of you gathered here this morning, how many of you at this point in your life take advantage of the benefit of reading glasses or contact lenses or some kind of corrective eye surgery? 
Maybe then we could think for just a moment about how much our life is easier because of this one thing. Just a thought. Now, before I continue, I have to put these back on. Because of their first century condition and the judgment with it, blind persons had little to no opportunity to earn a living, so most often the blind became beggars. Here's an important thing. Jesus Christ healed blind persons. In fact, there are eight specific people across the Gospels who were given their physical sight by Jesus. And did you know this? Well, a number of people across Scripture, with God's help, perform healing miracles, only Jesus Christ healed the blind. Maybe that's because of these two facts. One, healing the blind was a sign that was prophesied for the Messiah. And two, only Jesus Christ, only God, can turn darkness into light. So today we hear about a man in darkness, blind from birth, sitting by the road, He's a beggar. He gets an extra heaping measure of scorn because just about everybody thinks he is that way because of something he or his parents or even his grandparents did to make him that way. Does that sound kind of crazy to you? Does it sound like something that you would never, ever think? Then let me ask you, how is your compassion meter when you think of this blind man? I think our perceptions are influenced by our casual language. Think of all the expressions that you and I use every single day about blindness to insinuate a lack of perception or a lack of understanding. Blind as a bat. Blind luck. Blind date. Blind spot. Blind side. Flying blind to rob someone blind. Even blind faith. And then at the very same time, we have a beautiful set of expressions to celebrate, to support our perception, our understanding. Let's see what will happen. I see what you're saying. I'm so glad to see you. And of course, I'll believe it when I see it. Are you getting the idea that maybe there are ways in which all of us still remain blind? So, here in our gospel this morning is a human being, blind from birth. Despite all of the negativity, though, and notice this, all of the negativity the blind man has to deal with in the course of every single day of his life, our gospel gives no indication whatsoever that he was calling out to be healed. He didn't call out to Jesus, this blind man, whose name we don't even know, is quiet. He makes no protest, though, when Jesus touches his eyes with mud and spit, and then he just gets up. He does what Jesus tells him to do. How down would you have to be to let that happen to you? Was he that hopeful, or was he just that resigned to letting things happen to him and doing whatever he was told? We don't know, but we do know this. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. I mean, let's take that in this morning. A grown man who has suffered greatly over his entire lifetime because he had lived in complete physical darkness, now suddenly, for the first time in his life, has the ability to see. 
That's what a miracle is, completely against the natural laws as we know them, and he seems to adjust pretty quickly. Yes? I mean, I kind of hate it when I'm in a dark room and Jennifer comes in and turns on that overhead light. I don't like overhead lights. And it hurts my eyes. And it makes me feel disoriented for just a moment. And there's that little period of adjustment. You all know it. Not for our guy, though. We don't know how long he spent at the pool, but probably not very long. And then he's back. And does he get to celebrate? Does he get to now go on his merry way? No. The Pharisees come after him, and not just one time. They interrogate whether his claims of being blind were were even true to begin with. They haul his parents in and very successfully intimidate them. On his second interview, when he alone stands up to the Pharisees, they drive him out. They drive him out of town. But this man, this man is full of light. This man who repeatedly points people toward the beauty of the event that occurred in his life and whose hands did the healing. Yes, he says, I'm the guy. I'm the same guy who used to sit and beg. And yes, this man called Jesus, he's the one who gave me the gift of sight. I'm pretty impressed by the way this formerly blind man wouldn't be pressured by the authorities of the day, those in power to lie, maybe to say, eh, I wasn't really that blind. He isn't really the son of God. He didn't really change my life. When challenged, though, for the very first time by the Pharisees, he boldly proclaims he is a prophet. When his parents, intimidated by the Pharisees, pass the buck back to him, he lobs that question of Jesus being a sinner right back to the Pharisees and points them to the facts. One thing I do know, I was blind, and now I see. He kind of mocks them for their persistent interest in the details of his healing, and then wonderfully, he asks them this, if they would like to become disciples of Jesus. What a great question. Seems to me that this man born blind must have had pretty keen spiritual sight long before he received his physical sight because he uses the added gift of physical sight to read the faces of the room, the faces of the Pharisees, and to come to the very same conclusion about them as Jesus did. That is expressed in a very common phrase, there is none so blind as those who will not See, I submit to you today that this phrase, that is the very definition of dark, of darkness. Now we're at the end of this chapter. Jesus will continue on his way to Jerusalem. It's time to move on. And as for the formerly blind man, his story with us, his story today ends with this exclamation point of faith where he offers the ultimate proof that he has clear spiritual sight and that he is light. Lord, he says, I believe. Amen.